You're listening to Song Exploder, where musicians take apart their songs and piece by piece tell the story of how they were made. I'm Rishikesh Hirway. Song Exploder is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Dave Longstreth started making music under the name Dirty Projectors in 2002 while he was in college. Since then, he's released seven albums and collaborated with Bjork, Solange, Kanye West, Paul McCartney, and Rihanna. And Dirty Projectors went from a solo project to a full band, performing on TV and at Carnegie Hall. Dave and one of his bandmates were in a relationship for much of that time, but then the relationship and the band broke up. In February 2017, with Dirty Projectors as a solo project once more, Dave released a self-titled album, a breakup album looking back at those years. In this episode, Dave takes apart the song Up in Hudson and the winding road he went down to create it. The story starts in 2013, after the last Dirty Projectors album with the full band came out. My name is Dave from Dirty Projectors. Sometimes when I finish an album, I'm like, all right, well, whatever that was, I want to try to do the exact opposite of that. I definitely felt that way after Swing Low Magellan. For Swing Low Magellan, I had like holed up and written, sitting with a guitar and like hammering out like, what's the second verse lyric? You know, three verses of lyrics and a chorus and a bridge. Last night, oh, my attention, squinting westward at the sunset. And I wrote a whole ton of songs that way and then winnowed them down to 12 songs on the record. I knew I wasn't doing that this time. I wanted to make a sort of big break from the previous stuff that I'd been working on, something that like I didn't even recognize as being related to what came before. I wanted to go back to what little I knew about electronic music and my weird homemade style of like beat making. One of the first things that I tried to do in going back to like this mindset of making beats was thinking about the Diwali rhythm. The Diwali Rhythm is a beat by a Jamaican producer named Lenky. It was sampled by a lot of artists for songs that ended up becoming hits in 2002 and 2003. When I was in college, I had a job doing pizza delivery for Domino's. I would like just drive around and listen to hip hop radio, R&B. 2003, the Diwali Rhythm was like super popular. At that point, there's a bunch of songs, the Wayne Wonder song, No Letting Go. There's just this amazing polyrhythmic clapping pattern with great melodies on top of it. That, to me, was, like, super cool. But so flashing forward to 2013, feeling done with this kind of rock band zone, I was like, oh, yeah, there's this Diwali pattern. How did that go? And I tried to remake it. Which I knew was wrong, but I was kind of like, whatever. Maybe this is going to be cool. That's the first thing that I came up with, and it came out of that. Like, can I remember how I used to think the Diwali rhythm went? No chords, just a rhythmic grid. 
it felt like a hard thing to go from rhythm to adding notes on top of it that didn't feel stupid or like wrong. It's like, oh, am I going to put a major chord on there? That seems stupid. I was just bored of like what I would come up with. It was like a weird block. I had a practice space in Greenpoint and my old friend Tyne Day Braxton had a room in the building that uh, the studio was in. We shared a wall and I would literally just hear what he was working on at the time, blasting through this thin wall. <laughs> The sounds that were coming through the wall were like crazy. They were amazing. And he was diving headlong into the world of modular synthesis at the time. If you walked into my studio, you'd see, honestly, it's just like a bunch of wires patched from one to the other. It looks kind of, kind of like rainbow spaghetti between all the different modules. My name is Tyende Braxton, and I'm a musician. Somehow we ended up cross-pollinating. You know, I would feed a layer to him of the beat. And so even though this is just a dumb one bar pattern, he can just manipulate the sound. We threw the various layers through the modular gear and lo and behold, the kick now had a tone, which became the basic harmonic foundation of what happened from there. I would just kind of like sing over the beat, just kind of freestyle. When I found something that I thought I might like, I would just sing it into three-part harmony. And I do that because everything sounds better in three-part harmony. So suddenly I had all these three-part harmony things, but I was having a difficult time figuring out what the underlying chords of it would be. And then I was like, oh, everything I write is always a melody that's starting here and ending up somewhere else. It's never four chords that repeat. And in like a functional music vocabulary, that's a bridge. So I've been writing bridges all my life and that's all I know how to do. <laughs> so... Um, but I was trying to think of like, well, what are different contexts where the form of that, this wandering thing, could make sense, could actually be a strength. And it's like, well, you could tell a story. The story about the previous couple of years, a little bit of what it felt like to be in a band and to be in a relationship, sort of like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. But instead of like 30 years compressed into three hours, it would be like seven years compressed into seven minutes the first time ever i saw your face laid my eyes on you was the bowery ballroom stage you were shredding marshall tubes with this album instead of using abstract concepts or language to get at real feelings it's almost like the opposite of that where it's using the language of really personal vivid emotion to talk about these larger things. Then I knew maybe I could be with you. Do the things that lovers do. 
Slightly domesticate the truth And righteousness is the move Stones is the move, which is the Dirty Projector's biggest song. I name-checked that song in the lyrics of the song, and uh, it's one that, uh, um, no, see, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about the lyrics because I really do feel like there's been too much emphasis on the lyrics, you know, yeah, particularly like people taking them very on the face. And maybe this is a fantasy and it's not true at all, but I did feel like there's a certain amount of, it's not actually, it's, it's not me. It's not anyone specific. This is just a story. So I'm sure someone else lived this story. You know, being in a rock band in New York. Move to Brooklyn on your own. And join the band, come on the road. Doing that for a couple years, going around the world, sleeping on floors, and then playing bigger stages. This is how we saw the world side by side from the road and the stage. And then... The band splits up and somebody moves upstate, somebody moves to L.A. I'm just up in Hudson, bored and destructive, knowing that nothing lasts. So I just felt like this is not personal. This is, this is my experience, but it's generic, you know? This is like a movie. I mean, also, it's important to say that the record was a long time. I made it and over the course of a long time. It was, I'm, you know, I'm in a very different spot in my life now than than the stories that I'm telling in the album. You know, I thought that I would feel more protected knowing that I'm telling a fictionalized, old, outgrown version of a self that I maybe inhabited in certain moments years ago. I thought that I would feel a separation from it, but the separation is not real to other people. And I and wouldn't expect that it would be necessarily, you know, but you have to just listen to a song and take what you're getting from it. So um, but it's been uh, intense. And love will burn out. And love will just fade away. And love's gonna rot. And love will just dissipate. I came out to LA, and so did the uh, amazing Brazilian percussionist Mauro Rafasco. Just as a performer, he's just like, so crazy. You could throw a couple rocks off of a roof and have it go like doot, doot, doot. And then he would go digging around in these boxes and just find like three little wood blocks and be able to just match it. Doot, doot, doot. He's crazy. So I had Morrow replay each different layer of the original beat. And then I'd layer his performances over themselves over elements of Ty's modular stuff. And the Diwali beat really felt like it was starting to get somewhere. It sounded super cool. I was still looking for that master key, that ostinato, that riff, the loop that ties the whole wandering character of the song together. You know, I'd been looking for that for like the entire time. And so I texted Ty and I was like, if you have any other ideas, I, I'm desperate. I need them. If you want to just do some like real simple, rhythmic, repetitive stuff, that'd be awesome. I just imported like a rough sketch of 
the track that he gave me and he told me the BPM. I was able to kind of like grid it out and then just kind of experiment with stuff in and around that BPM and see what I can get to work. And he came back with something amazing. When you build a modular synthesizer, you build it you know, module by module. So it's it's all very personalized and it's all, it's a instrument that's unique to you and what you want uh, to get out of it. If you actually master the expressive nature of what a modular synth can do, you can make sounds that are real because it's an analog instrument, but that sound completely out of this world, you know, something impossible that couldn't be real. It was kind of propulsive and percussive, but it also sat really well against his voice. And that was basically my dream, and I dreamed it with you till we betrayed it. To me, that was the glue between the drums and all of the harmonic stuff. And not a moment too soon. About a week before I was supposed to go to Miami to start to mix, I was like at home making dinner, listening to Porgy and Bess, the Miles Davis, Gil Evans collabo. And I was thinking about how Miles is a storyteller and his voice is his horn. I love the way those are recorded, artificially close, very intimate, and often moving in these really close harmonies. So I was listening to those winds and the brass and everything. I was like, well, those are voices too. This is like a Greek chorus that's alternately sort of affirming and uh, responding more critically to what Miles is, is talking about. And so that's where the idea of turning the three-part harmonies into a horn arrangement came from. Kanye was, he was an important spirit for me making this album. In the chorus, I was thinking about that kind of like Hudson Mohawk synth from Blood on the Leaves that's just so cutting and just fierce. We could have been somebody. Said you had to tell somebody. Let's take it back to the first The trombones in the choruses is like a mixture of bass trombone, trombone, and tuba. But then we actually had to dial it in a little bit. It was difficult to find that specific sound, that kind of zap on the trombone. is like, it's amazing when you hear it in a room. And uh, I kept on being like, yeah, maybe zap even a little bit more. So I finally had the kind of like harmonic bed for the story that the, the main voice is telling. It felt like an epic, you know, and I wanted it to have a beginning and an ending. So there's the ending part, the guitar coda, which I made after Bowie died last year. It felt maybe like an elegy in thinking about Bowie when I made it. And you know, it goes on for a long time, like way too long actually. And that feels like a metaphor for something, you know, life just keeps on churning forward long after whatever drama happened, like way in the past. Life keeps going and going, it gets boring, 
becomes a new thing and gets interesting again, and then that becomes boring, and then... <laughs> Now, here's Up in Hudson by Dirty Projectors in its entirety. Thank you. 
Now we're going our separate ways But we're still connected You go forward and all still the same And that's how it breaks Wash it away, wash it away All of the pain, all of the pain And anger, it slips away Love slips away, but it will remain It will remain unanswered Now I'm listening to Kanye On my Taconic Parkway Riding fast And you're out in Echo Park Blasting Tupac Drinking a fifth for my ass I'm just up in Hudson Bored and destructive Knowing that nothing lasts Cause love will burn out And love will just fade away Yeah, love's gonna rock And love will just disappear Cause love will burn out Visit songexploder.net for a link to buy this song and to learn more about Dirty Projectors. Song Exploder is produced by me, along with Christian Coons, and is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a curated network of extraordinary, cutting-edge podcasts made possible by the Knight Foundation. Learn more at radiotopia.fm. Next time on Song Exploder, Nora Jones. 
You can find Song Exploder on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Song Exploder. And you can find all the past and future episodes of the show at songexploder.net or wherever you download podcasts. My name is Rishi K. Sherway. Thanks for listening. I'm excited to tell you about a brand new show from Radiotopia called The Recipe. It's hosted by J. Kenji Lopez-Alt and Deb Perlman. You might know Kenji from Serious Eats and all his incredible food wisdom. He's also the author of the cookbooks The Food Lab and The Walk, both of which are New York Times bestsellers. Deb is the creator of the extremely popular recipe website, Smitten Kitchen. She's a self-taught home cook and cookbook author. And on this new show, Deb and Kenji will do a deep dive into the techniques and ingredients behind some of the most popular go-to dishes. Look for the recipe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes start February 26th.